In today's life sciences environment, developing and approving new drugs can take upwards of 12 to 15 years. One significant reason for these arduous processes and timelines is the lack of automation and artificial intelligence integration. Our next guest and his company are poised to change the game. Emmanuel Volkener, CEO of EasyOp, joins us to discuss his journey of becoming the CEO and how his company specializes in artificial intelligence and natural language processing to help pharmaceutical companies adopt modern technology solutions and bring their life-saving therapeutics to market faster. Join us to learn how Emmanuel and the EasyOp team free time and money in the life sciences space with their company's intelligent automation. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Emmanuel, a very warm welcome to our podcast today. Thanks, Mike. Hi. Well, given your passion and dedication of bringing the benefits of automation and natural language generation to enterprise companies globally, I'm fired up to have this exciting conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Emmanuel, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the EasyOp team are building artificial intelligence and natural language processing technology to help pharmaceutical companies bring therapeutics to market faster. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world. One my piece of advice would be, uh, well, never, ever take no as an answer. Be persistent, believe in what you're doing, everything is possible. I mean, it's true, especially in healthcare, Emmanuel. I know you've been there, you're working in it right now with EasyOp. Healthcare is tough to change, right? As I always love to say, from my perspective, when somebody gives me a no, I just look at it as a delayed yes, right? It doesn't change overnight. You have to be persistent. Is that something that you like to share with your team as well? Persistence and being tenacious and not taking no, is that something you share with your team members to keep them motivated? Every day, every day. You have to be both persistent and consistent in what we are doing. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that. Oh, we certainly are. I love that consistency piece, right? Because again, it's a complex industry. There's a lot of things to wrap your head around in healthcare because there's so many different sides and angles of it. We're going to talk about what you guys are doing within the pharmaceutical space. But that consistency is key. How important that is that for your team members as well to bring that consistency to what you guys are building? It is paramount. When we were doing AI and LG, so basically we're transforming, you know, large, complex set of data into high quality narrative any specialist could understand. So it doesn't happen overnight. You have to try, improve the initial draft we produce in a new segment. We're focused on finance and pharma. I should not be ashamed, but the first draft we produced were not great. But then, based on the feedback we got, Anton, you have to improve and improve and improve to get the top quality. And everybody believes 
This happened overnight, but it did not. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it certainly doesn't, right? Two big things out of this is we set the stage to talk about all the good trouble that you and the EasyOp team are creating and building to help move the pharmaceutical industry forward. Two big things, consistency and persistence. I just absolutely love it. Incredibly important, especially during these chaotic times in healthcare. And we're going to talk about all the good things happening within the EasyOp camp after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Salesforce, the global CRM leader, empowers companies of every size and industry to digitally transform and create a 360-degree view of their customers. Salesforce's Patient 360 and Customer 360 power the business of health, helping the healthcare and life sciences industries reshape how they operate and collaborate for better outcomes. Salesforce delivers trusted health solutions from anywhere with an integrated suite of industry-specific apps, from omni-channel care and sales to patient services and beyond. Salesforce's expert community of healthcare trailblazers and leading industry partners help inspire and drive change. And Salesforce supports you in adapting for what's next with a scalable and interoperable platform. Salesforce believes the future of health is connected. Do you? To learn more, visit salesforce.com slash business of health. All right. We are back with Emmanuel Vulcan, our CEO, EasyOp. Emmanuel, thank you so much. You set us up for a nice conversation on the front end. Consistency and persistence, name of the game to help move healthcare forward. And I can't wait to hear all the things happening within the EasyOp camp, especially what you guys are doing within the pharmaceutical space. Very, very ripe for disruption for the pharmaceutical industry is a big one, as we know. I think there's a lot of opportunity for disruption and innovation. We're going to talk exactly about that and how you guys are moving the industry forward. But of course, first, Emmanuel, now you've been at EasyOp for just over five years. Very exciting. Time flies, as we discussed before recording. But of course, you haven't been there your whole career. You had a storied past before meeting up with the EasyOp team. So take us on that journey a bit. How did you come into becoming a leader at EasyOp? How'd you find them in the first place? How'd those conversations go? Give us a little bit of a backdrop of how you ramped yourself up of becoming the CEO EasyOp. What was that journey like? I started, well, many, many, many years ago as an engineer. I had a master of applied mathematics and AI. You know, it was, you know, to call the uh, system expert or, you know, at that time. Always been involved in technology and growing businesses, whether it was in the software business and I moved to the IoT space. I always had the chance to be in a position to create businesses. So in IoT, uh, we were the first that time to remotely download software in cars because we are providing connectivity to these cars. And it was middle-aged from where Tesla now and all these uh, you know, electric cars and so on, but connecting different devices around the globe and moved to chip card industry and as well building some telecommunications and software business to be able to remotely communicate to billions, literally billions of SIM cards. And then I got a call from a headhunter Tell me, are you interested? Well, are you a specialist in AI? Uh, of course, I was not a specialist in AI. So I say, Yo, well, yeah, sure. What is it about? I say, well, a great opportunity as CEO of a startup specialized in AI. So I say, well, maybe I can help. And I met the founder, Alain Kayser, who is as well a mathematician. And we spent actually, you know, it was supposed to be an hour of discussion. We spent the whole morning you know, discussing. I was fascinated by the technology they built. Alain has a long, passionate career on how to build this algorithm and so on. And really his question, he was a very sorrow guy. And he told me, what do you think? 
how can we help? I say, well, first thing is to build a platform. It can't be a technology on its own. We can't just do bespoke projects. I mean, it's completely unscalable. And second, I say, Alain, you know, you have been working with many different industries and this is great, but we need to pick our sweet spots. At that time, Easy Up, you know, this was five years ago, has been involved in, with many banks, basically, and virtually working with all banks in, French, in France and saying, you know, okay, for me, finance is an obvious segment we should focus on, and maybe there will be another one, and we will see. But one, two, max three to start with is what we need to do. So the journey started there, started to build the platform, raised money, of course, the Series A, because I told him building a platform and investing in software does cost a lot of money, and it was completely aligned with that. And so build the platform, started to get a lot of traction for his banks, automating credit risk analysis for rating agencies, automating the rating reports, you know, really taking the financial data, applying our algorithm, and really writing 60, 70, 80% of the reports, at least the first draft of the report, so that the credit analyst or the rating analyst could actually work much faster. So I started to deploy that, and one day we got a call from Sanofi. I'm sure they met us at such successful podcast or event. Small little pharma company, small, small little, little one. Yeah, yeah little absolutely. startup. <laughs> Who told us, well, guys, we're intrigued with what we are doing. We've been watching the space for quite some time. Do you think it would be possible to apply this technology in pharma? For they had in, we're pretty clear what they had in mind. It was really to write some sections of the CSR, so clinical study report. So really the core of the report you need during a trial Based on all the clinical data you got, you have to really do the summary, the synthesis of the trial for the FDA. So, of course, I had no idea at that time. I told them, yeah, guys, we have no experience in pharma, but we definitely can try. And this is what we did. And they were very open. This guy was very open. I say, let's take six months. Let's see what you can produce. And if we're happy with that, we can grow that. So we did that. Oh my God, pharma is five to six times more complex than finance. I hope there's no too many people from banks or insurance company listening to this podcast. But we, this we won't is, tell. We won't tell. Oh my God. <laughs> now, pharma is, well, number one, you use all these acronyms and so on. Number two, data, even from trials to trials, are changing all the time. There's a massive diversity of data you have to cope with. And then what you have to write is super complex. The analysis is super complex. And the end user, the medical writers or the authoring writers or whatever you name them, they are PhDs. They're not, these guys have master degrees, PhDs, they know their stuff. So you need to exceed their expectation or you will fail. So anyway, back to Sanofi, did this pilot. Actually, it was pretty successful. They say, well, can you improve this and that? They say, of course, limited scope. And they say, you know, guys, yes. We are very interested and we want to deploy that. So we signed, you know, I'm very grateful to Sanofi because we signed the first three-year partnership. And they say, we give us three-year to deploy and roll out this solution with our team. So this was the start of the journey. And Sanofi was kind enough to say, we're going to help you because we believe your technology is absolutely a breakthrough in the industry. So the pharma industry is a bit different. We're all competing together. But we are happy to share this technology if it can make sense so that you can be, number one, you can be well-funded 
and you can survive for the next 50 years. So we had a very great word of mouth and then been approached by Lily, been approached by uh, GSK and a few others. And now we're in production with five of the top 10 pharma companies in the world, which is great. Wow. Wow. And Emmanuel, we're going to talk about all of that, these giants that you're now working with, but I just absolutely love how things like what you just discussed got started in the first place. To me, it's just fascinating, right? So I want to go back to what you mentioned about Sanofi reaching out to all of you. That's a startup's dream to have an, a company like a Sanofi reaching out and asking to work with you. Amazing, right? But I also want to go back to even before that, you mentioned that a headhunter reached out to you, connected you with the founder, and you had that conversation that was scheduled for an hour, then went the whole morning. I have to ask, let's start there with the founder. How was that original conversation with him and the founder? What was that like? And to tell the founder, hey, we need to focus. We need to put a little bit, some guardrails on this. Yes, this is possible. What was that like? What was that interaction like with the founder? Alan is extremely uh, clever and is very humble. Like all these very intelligent persons, he's extremely humble. So he knows how to listen. And I was not teaching him anything. He knew his stuff, his technology and so on. So for him, it was it's really his experience. He was sharing his experience. I was sharing mine and saying, okay, the only way I've done that three or four times, you know, to scale this type of business. I say, based on my experience, this is what works. I asked him, do you think it's applicable with this type of technology or the, with the customers you have met and so on? And this was really a very interactive discussion where he said, these are the constraints we have. He talked to me immediately about the quality and the data issues we had with some customers and security and so on. I told him, well, quality, and this is where a SaaS platform makes a ton of sense because you can incrementally improve stuff. And that makes a ton of sense. It's frustration as well to say, bespoke project takes time. Customers take months and months to decide whether they should go or not. And then it has to be there overnight. So I say, this is why SaaS platform are all about. So anyway, so this was a very intense exchange. And I think on both sides, I certainly wanted to learn what EasyUp has done, their mistakes, the opportunities, why they have signed. You know, they were in production with one of the largest banks in France. And I say, you know, guys, this is amazing. You don't realize that. You have got fantastic logos. And this is, I mean, this to your credit. Business model, maybe we can find that, but actually it's easy. What you have done is the heavy lifting. You have created something which is rock solid and deployed in production at BNP and Sustation and all these big banks, Credit Agricole. I say, yeah, I'm amazed. That is an absolute amazing sign of a founder that leads with humility and understands, hey, Sometimes I need to bring in other team members to help build the business around the idea, which of course sounds like that that's exactly what they did, which is amazing with bringing you in. So fascinating. I always love to hear the backstory of how those initial conversations got going. It's quite fascinating to hear. So thank you for sharing that. And then of course, I want to ask, you mentioned that the team at EasyOp was initially focused in finance. And then of course, here comes this small little pharma company <laughs> called Sanofi calls you guys. How did they get a hold of you? And then also, Emmanuel, how did they know? Because again, you were focused on finance. How did they know or how did they put the pieces together that, oh my gosh, what they're doing over here could be applicable over here with us in the pharma space? How did that come together? And how did they find out about you in the first place? Well, Sanofi is obviously headquartered in France, small world, and there are very few energy players out there because this is tough. This is hard. So I know, and they told me, I've been reaching to uh, big giants, I'm not going to name them here, trying to see whether 
they could help us and so on. So again, they were pretty savvy about technology and see how we could. And they were, I guess, on the, we were doing a few shows at that time in Paris, you know, AI innovation shows where startup can pitch and so on. So we started to be a little bit known in the energy space. And this is how they reached out to us. And then we started the, uh, the journey. And then you said today, now you're working with some of the biggest in the industry. And obviously this is becoming a large part of the business model. How has it been going? Obviously, are these needs in the pharma space that you're offering your customers needed now more than ever, right? I mean, things are changing so fast. How has the reception been? How's the adoption rates been? So we started this podcast, Never Take No as an Answer. So the second customer I met in pharma, right after I met Sanofi, was a big pharma giant here in New York. And they actually told me, well, this is very interesting. We tried, we failed, so this is not going to happen with us. So I say, oh my God. So I was starting with Sanofi. I say, oh shit, you know, this is, I hope we're going to succeed. So anyway, we are enjoying a little bit of a snowball effect. So as I told you, after now we are engaged with five of the top 10 or 15 pharma companies in the world. And the more we are discussing with these guys, the bigger the opportunities actually is. So we signed another company I'm very grateful is Lily, Eli Lilly. So, and Eli Lilly was as well, one of our, I would say, early customers in pharma. We're more advanced because we had Sanofi experience and did a few trials and did the same journey with them. Well, they say, I mean, very interested. They called Sanofi. They got the referral. Our reference is absolutely key. A happy first customer is really a big, big, big asset. So they called, say nothing to hide, Call Sanofi. They say, okay, we liked what we heard. They did the same. First trial, then big pilot, and they move into production. And our business model is based on production. It's based, I told the guys, I'm very, very focused on that. The IoT space was a plague. The, the pilots, everybody wants to do a pilot. I always told my customers, if you do a pilot, it's really, this is to go into production. Let's set criteria. So at the end of pilot, either we hit the criteria or we don't. If we do this gentleman agreement, we, but we move into production. If the quality is fine, if the performance is fine, if you really, you get what you were expecting, let's move. Lily was super helpful as well. We did the first wonderful project and they told us we want to expand. And I was amazed actually how deep they were in NLG. They knew a lot. They made as well a lot of analysis and so on. So they were not, uh, they say, guys, what we believe you are actually the best in the industry. What we saw is actually the proof point of that, and we want to expand. Want to expand, you know, in a few areas. You know, the clinical space, there are actually 10 documents from the protocol. When you write the protocol, you describe what will be the trial about, what the demography you are going to, the strategy you are going to find, up to the submission with all the results, efficacy, and so on. There are 10, 12 documents to be automated. Today, we have two, 100%, 140%. And they say, guys, we need to automate the whole chain because we have some benefits in automating these CSR, 40% of the CSR. We have some benefits to automate this patient narrative. We're doing that very well, but we will have even greater benefits to automate the whole chain. And then they open our eyes and say, you know, in preclinical, there's as well a ton of documents to be automated here. And then in pharmacovigilance, and then CMC quality for monitoring the quality, and then in labeling. So I say, guys, it's just the beginning of the journey. I thought 
our industry was mature and so on. They say, you know, are you completely crazy? This is the very, very beginning of the journey. You have a mountain to climb and uh, we'll be there with you to make you successful. So this was the second customer. And I think the pharma industry is great because we had this, we signed as well a three-year deal, a true partnership with, I would say, demanding but ambitious roadmap we want to achieve together automation-wise. And they invest in what they're doing. You know, they have some pretty resources, money, but as well experts. And, you know, it helps us to accelerate. So this is great. That is exciting. And yes, there is a lot of opportunity. And of course, you know, we, a lot of us think, oh, it's a very mature industry, right? Drug and pharma industry has been around forever, but there's a lot of opportunity to innovate and automate and make things a lot more efficient. And so with that, Emmanuel, let's get into the weeds a little bit, and then we'll talk a little future state of where the company's going. But let's get into the weeds for just a moment. You've mentioned CSR a couple of times and what that means to what you guys are doing there to help automate or the clinical study reports and automating some words upwards of 40%. What does that mean to a lay person tuning into the episode? What is a CSR and why is it so important to automate that? And with that, if we're doing that at scale as an industry, what does that mean? Are drugs to market faster? Is there cost savings, more efficiency? What does that look like in regards to the downstream positive impacts of helping automate upwards of 40% of the CSR? So again, let's start at what is a CSR? Why is it important to automate? And what are the benefits thereof? CSR is the document where you summarize the, uh, really the result, you describe what you have done during your trials. What is the population? They call that demography. What was the safety session? Safety session is about, you know, you describe all the adverse events, all the results of your trials. And then the efficacy, where you say whether it worked or not. So this is a very formal document. So all the sections are defined by the FDA. So it's very strict. But what you have to write is really based on the data, based on the data, your biostatisticians who are analyzing the data and so on. And then the medical writers have this unique skill to analyze this data and really write the outcome. So what we do, we don't replace the medical writer. What we do is we issue a first draft and we offer a way so that the medical writers can actually dialogue with the machine. Okay, I want more detail here. And boom, we write you know, a little bit longer paragraph or smaller paragraph. There's really interaction between the medical writer and the machine. And he got the first draft, which is tremendous for them. The same for patient narrative. Patient narrative, you know, you have for key patients, each pharma has different strategy here, but you have to describe very precisely in the appendum, the appendix of the CSR, what happened to hundreds of patients, the most significant one. Well, you have to detail exactly what you have done, what was the result, what was the outcome for each patient. So it's very cumbersome. Lily, I was in a, at a show last week at D-Farm in Boston with Lily, and Lily was kind enough to speak, to say, okay, this is our experience with EasyUp. And they say it used to take us four hours to do one patient narrative, and without any mistakes, and very cumbersome, and so on. With EasyUp, it takes us four seconds. So we move from four hours to four seconds. So we can review this first draft immediately generated. We can review it, be confident, but it is a massive change. For the CSR, all these segments, all these sections that we provide first draft, I think Sanofi was saying, okay, we can gain, you know, really the productivity gain, you know, time gain for medical writers is from 20 to 30%. This is really a lot of time for, again, this is highly skilled people. And more importantly, this was 
work with uh, Sanofi, Lilly, you know, and all the other pharma companies we are working with is to have super high quality because the worst thing is to produce a draft or the guy is saying, what the hell? I have to rewrite everything. This is robotic or this is inconsistent with the data I'm looking at. So it has to be perfect. The end user must, be, must trust what he sees. And frankly, the language, the way it is written has to be perfect. So having that, yes, you can gain 20%, 30%, 40% productivity gain. And this is a game changer for these guys. They're under high pressure. You know, this is the last mile before submission. So they are under heavy pressure. I had a CRO who told me, yeah, they are calling us, but we, CRO, we have the same problem. These type of high-skill resources are very hard to find, very long to train, and there is a shortage of this type of skill set. So it's not at all to replace them, it's really to augment them. This is what we are saying, you know, augment is a bit of a weird word. It's really to help them to do their job faster and so that they can do what they're paid for. It's really step back and say, all right, this is the way I want to present that to FDA. Am I correct in my conclusion? Which really matters, not to write narratives, which is really boring. You're spot on, Manuel. And we were seeing this across the board in healthcare and many other industries. Highly trained, highly skilled workforce. We're in a shortage, a massive shortage, and it's not getting any better. So to your point, being able to use the easy out machine and technology, giving those highly skilled workers superhuman powers, right? You're giving them the opportunity to really work at the top of their kind of skill set, if you will by being complimented with your technology. It's, it's amazing. And of course, needed now more than ever, given the current constraints that we're all living in. So with that, Emmanuel, let's look a little future state as well. Where do you see things heading, right? This is a fast growing space. It's only going to continue to grow faster and faster. Where do you see things heading on the macro for the industry? And then where is EasyOp going to be in the next two to three years as well? Well, I think this technology where AI and LG and automation for this type of work is going to be mainstream in two to three years. I've seen always Gartner prediction where you say, in two to three years, it's going to be mainstream. I made some analysis based on what the customer are telling us, you know, on how many trials are going to involve easy up technology in the next year and how this is the forecast and so on. By 2025, I would be surprised if we are not involved in more than a thousand trials, at least thousands of medical writers are really in the uptake where it's a lot of work right now, but this is we are going to enjoy super high growth because this is working. This has been proven. This is scalable. So frankly, now it's time. I was at Sanofi at uh, DIA. I was with Lily at DFARM. Both gave super sexy testimonials. I've got more and more people coming, you know, coming in. CROs now are knocking on our door saying, guys, could you help us? And I'm sure others today were a little bit ahead of the crowd, I think. At least is what our customers are saying. I'm sure there will be competition and this is going to be mainstream. 80% of large pharma companies are going to use these technologies in three to five years. And this is clear. We're already involved in five out of 15, I told you. At the end of next year, we'll be involved in the majority of the big pharma based on what I'm seeing, the trials, ongoing trials and so on. So this is going to be a, a nice journey, a nice, exciting journey for the next few years. Where is up will be? Again, I think we need to stay super focused. There's a ton of work to be done there. Talked about clinical, you talked about preclinical, you know, talk about that. Some nice investors told me, well, Emmanuel, what's about medical device? They have exactly the same issue. So why don't you go there? Other told me, and we've been approached by chemical companies who say, oh, we've got a lot of constraints as well. 
regularly constraints when we put a new whatever product in the market. We need to measure the side effect, report to the FDA, reports to the European authorities. So can you help us there? So step by step, I think pharma is huge for us. You know, definitely we're going to expand there. And progressively, yes, we are going to attack other segments, adjacent segments, I would say. Step by step. I mean, it sounds like a very boring roadmap and that you guys have nothing in front of you over the next coming years. Wow. Very exciting. I mean, of course, you know, hey, follow where the need is. And I uh, somebody that uh, spent years long ago in the medical device industry, I can tell you absolutely needed over there as well. So a bright future for you and the EasyOp team for sure. So thank you for sharing that. But of course, let's go back to current state, uh, Manuel, and how we can be helping you. We have an amazing group rallied around the podcast. What's that one problem, need, or question that you and the team have that we can be helping you with? Uh, CEO, you know, you have always same question. Number one is money. We need to invest. This is crazy. You need to invest, invest, invest. So I'm always in touch with investors. Always enjoy the discussions. Investors specialize in pharma. So I had, uh, well, not even this morning, very interesting discussion with investors. He's very specialized in pharma. He told me he was dropping names, adjacent companies. They say, you should look at these companies you could partner with. So this is very interesting for me always because not only I need money, and of course, this is an advice for people or the entrepreneurs who are listening to me. If you can have a great fit with your investors, this is fantastic. This is my case today. Next stage is a French, I would say, uh, entrepreneurial VC. They are helping tremendously. I like, really like these guys. So if you can choose now a specialist in pharma, so more contacts on the investment community. And the one thing our customers are asking more and more, and frankly, we did not partially responding, is who could help us to scale? So they're looking for SIs and looking for specialized SI to scale. So if there's any SI listening to this podcast, we're already in discussion with great companies like Capgemini, but definitely open to discussion with people who are, would be happy to actually help us to scale this technology and help the pharma company, you know, more on a service standpoint to deploy that and operate our solution. I'm certain there are many people in our community that can help with both of those questions and asks and needs. So thank you for sharing that. Emmanuel, of course, in order for our community to get a hold of you and help with those items you shared, what's some contact points online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise, how can they get a hold of you? Well, they can drop me a mail. They can go to our website, easyup.com, and they can drop me a mail, evalconer, W-A-L-C-K-E-N-A-R. I'm sure you will, you know, at easyup.com. can drop me a mail, pretty fast in responding mails and be more than happy to be in touch with these guys. Well, easy enough. And for our community, just scroll on down to your favorite podcast player to click on through to those contact points for Emmanuel and the EasyOp team. Or you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There'll be a post for this episode where you can leave some comments and feedback for Emmanuel and the team, as well as find those contact points for him as well. Again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Emmanuel, we're going to start winding down here. What a fascinating conversation. A lot of great things happening in your camp. But before we let you go, we do have one more segment. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? Because I love to change the life of thousands. Or I would love to change the life of thousands, tens of thousands, not millions of knowledge workers in the pharma industry, of course, ultimately in many different segments. But changing the life of people who are hardworking, this would be really my dream. 
I absolutely love it. And that is definitely needed now today more than ever. We need the help with our workforce, not just here in this country, but across the world. So, so glad you're passionate about that. What a great call to arms at the end here. Thank you for that as well, Emmanuel. And for now, again, thank you for being with us today and sharing with us your journey and all the good things happening within the EasyOp camp. Again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.